You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Actions speak louder than words. There's a lot of truth to that. The things we say are meant to be put into practice, and we probably all could think of people, maybe even some politicians, or people who talk a lot, but don't necessarily do what their words are saying that they should do. So, yes, actions are probably more important than words, but words are still really important. Words shape us and guide us. Words nourish us. Words challenge us. Words comfort us. Words change us. Words inspire us. I was thinking about that as we recited the Ten Commandments just a few minutes ago. And that ritual act of words, I think, month after month, we do it on the first Sunday, I think that shapes us and molds us and reminds us of who we are and who we're called to be. So words are clearly important for us. In her delightful book called Caring for Words in the Culture of Lies, author Marilyn McIntyre several times stresses the idea of stewardship, using a sort of churchy word for us to think about words in general. Stewardship being how we care for something that's been entrusted to our care. And her framework is that words are a gift that have been given to us and we have to use them wisely and well. So she writes on uh, page 24, our task as stewards of words begins and ends in love. Loving language means cherishing it for its beauty, precision, power to enhance understanding, power to name, power to heal. And it means using words as an instrument of love. Now here at Covenant, we focus on love by learning God's love and living God's love, kind of learning the word, learning the concept, learning the idea, and then trying to put it into practice, seeing that connection between words and action. Words have power, as Macintosh suggests, so that's why we're launching this series today, five weeks, thinking about the power of words. We're doing this with the, the hope that we would recognize um, and be more aware of the power of our words, that we would be more in tune with God's word, more rooted in God's word, and that we would be more intentional about the words that we choose to use, recognizing the potential for those words to be instruments of blessing, healing, and love. One way that we focus on words here at Covenant every year as you just heard with the children's message, is by having these epiphany star words available for everyone. We encourage you, after the service, if you haven't already done so, to find the basket out there and to pick a word. And the invitation is to do it without looking at the word and to take that word and trust that somehow that word will speak to you over the course of the year. I know sometimes, and I've heard three different people say that they did this today already, sometimes people look at a word and they don't like it and they put it back and they get another word. 
that's okay. If you need to do that, that's okay. But let me just encourage you, even if you put your word back, to remember what it is. And sometimes, not always, when you get a difficult or challenging word that doesn't seem like it means anything at first, two months, four months, eight months later, the word bubbles up and makes sense for you. So there's that possibility for you. My hope is that you'll be surprised and blessed and encouraged by your word over the course of the year. And Marilyn Kritschko is here this morning to share a little bit about her word from 2023, um, which was the, whoops, we went too far here. Where'd that slide go? Where's Marilyn's slide? There it is. Thank you. Uh, Marilyn's word is courage for the year. Is that microphone on? It is now. Is it on? Yep. So I'm that person who reaches into the basket, looks at the word, and might put it back and get another one. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that person, Charlie. Um, and I did that last year, right? But I got this word, courage, and I took it home. I tried to give it to my spouse, Anne. Um, <laughs> it ended up on this um, stone wall in our house, and then Anne trimmed it and made it smaller. You know, you, you don't see her at church all the time, but she does these funny things with things, too. And um, yeah, it was kind of funny because then I kind of forgot about it for a while and I thought, what was my word? And you know, in my small group, for people who are in my small group who are here today, you know, you know I try to pass these words off and get the ones I want. So I, I really do have that behavior, but I started to ponder, I started to think about what is my word and I started to pray about it and I thought, why did I get courage? You know, I'm 61, I've been through a lot. I've been in a crash landing of an airplane. Yeah, I had to jump and slide. Um, I got hit by a drunk driver on the Audubon one year and broke my neck and almost went over a cliff. My mom died from ALS. And I thought, how did I get this word courage? Like, what am I going to need courage for? And then two really big things happened. The first thing that happened was that my spouse, Anne, was diagnosed with a cancer that's not treatable. Um, and it took a lot of courage to picture my life without Anne. Um, we've been really lucky, and thank God they think they got it all when they cut it out. So that was really amazing. Um, and then the second thing that happened was at work. And I was asked to be on our DEI council. Um, I work for a Fortune 1000 company, and DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And as a council member, then I was asked if I would lead an affinity group. We're setting up three affinity groups. Um, the first one is a black affinity group, um, and then a woman's affinity group, and an LGBTQ plus affinity group. So they asked me what I would like to lead, and I said I'd like to lead the women's affinity group. And I thought that's what I was going to do. And then we had a, a company-wide um, call. And on that call, where there were more than 10,000 people, <laughs> they announced that I was leading the LGBTQ plus group. <laughs> Yep, so I was outed to the entire company. <laughs> and I'm the kind of person that when I go to work, my identity is not as a gay person, right? It's as a solutions person. I, I run the global automation group at work, the robotics program. And so I was on the call and I was supposed to speak that day and suddenly I was at a loss for words, which you could tell, and I'm sorry I go over Charlie of my three minutes. but. Um, I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I was like, wow, I've just been outed to the entire company. And what was really also interesting about that is that I'm at a point in my life in this year where I have a thing that I'm going to coin this phrase called gay fatigue. I have gay fatigue. 
And you might wonder, what's gay fatigue? Gay fatigue isn't that I'm tired of being gay. I'm not tired of being gay. <laughs> um, it's that I'm tired of the things that happen around me as a gay person. A really good example is that um, when people have said, since this happened on this corporate phone call, they'll come up to me and say, wow, I didn't know you were gay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gay. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. And um, th what people usually say to me is, I know gays. <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to do with that? It's like, I have a dog. Oh, I've got a dog. Um, I'm gay. I know gays. It's, I, and I really try. Like, it takes courage to not roll my eyes, to say, like, are you kidding me? But these things happen around me all the time. And I have gay fatigue in another area, too. Even the gay people on the council with me, I've had these moments with, you know, especially there are some young people who, when they don't like what's happening, they're like, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what these leaders are doing, and I'm quitting. I've had to stand up to people this year. It's taken great courage to say, you can't quit. I need you to stand with me. So it's taken just great courage in some ways in my life. Um, this year, I've been really challenged to hold on to that word and to hold on to the Esther moment, Carrie Sanders, that I'm having right now, right? When Carrie spoke about the Esther moment, I am living the Esther moment right now. And so whatever word you get, when you reach into there, you might think, this is a silly word. I don't need this. I've got all this experience. I've got blah, 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 blah. Pray about it. And really hold on to that word. Pray and ask God, what does this mean in my life today? Um, because this word of courage, I won't be surprised if when I reach into that basket, I get the same word again. I will not be surprised. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. Appreciate your courage and sharing about your, your word experience and appreciate your, your life story um, in a few minutes there. I'm glad you found some some power in that word. I'm glad that was a good experience for you, and I hope that works for, for a lot of us. Our scripture reading for today um, deals with words, and it comes from the beginning of John's gospel. But before we read that, I need to point out some very interesting parallels between John's gospel and the beginning of scripture. Both John's gospel and um, Genesis, first book of the Bible, begin with the same words, in the beginning. There's a very deliberate connection there that um, the author of John's Gospel made to connect the account of Jesus to the story of creation. And it's worth noting um, that if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 1, this is when God creates the world. But the way in which God creates is with words. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be creatures that roam the earth, and there were creatures. Very interestingly, the text doesn't say God made the light or God made the creatures. It's simply God said and it happened. So it's very clear from the beginning that God's word is the agent of creation, that God's word is powerful, that we're meant to pay attention to God's word, which makes the beginning of John's gospel all that much more fascinating. Listen for God's word from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, 
And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. So the reading you just heard is John's Christmas story. We have four Gospels, and in the other Gospels we read about angels and shepherds and stars and dreams and babies being born. John doesn't go there. John speaks with very theological, poetic language about the Word being with God and the Word being God, about the, 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 the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. And so this Word, this Word is God. And this God word became human. And this God word knows what it is to be human. Um, I grew up with the translation of that last verse saying the word became flesh to dwell among us full of grace and truth. And I love that word dwell. It just has that sense of incarnation for me. Newer translations say, say that the word lived among us or that the word made its home among us or that the word pitched its tent among us in imagery that was appropriate for 2,000 years ago. The sense is that God kind of camped out to be with us. God wanted to hang out with us. God wanted to be with us in the flesh to know what it's like to be human. And so that as God dwells with us, we might learn somehow some way to dwell with God. This is what incarnation means. This is what the word Emmanuel means in Matthew's gospel. When we hear Emmanuel, God with us. So the word became flesh to dwell among us. That word dwell jumps out at me because in the book of Colossians, one of the New Testament letters, the apostle Paul writes to the community there, let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So God comes to dwell with us and then we're told to let the word of Christ dwell within us richly. The hope is that God's word would take root in us, that God's word would make its home in us, that God's word would pitch its tent within us and, and, and shape our heads, our hearts, our hands, and our lives. So we, we learn the words and teachings of Jesus. We listen to them, we read them, we study them, we sing them, we pray them. Sometimes we even memorize them. These words that are meant to dwell within us and shape us and guide us. Words like, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. You give them something to eat. Love your neighbors. Love your enemies. Jesus also said things like, forgive one another. Take up your cross and follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. I have not come to condemn the world, but to save it. These and many other teachings of Jesus, sayings of Jesus, words of Jesus are meant to dwell in our hearts, our heads, our homes, and our lives. So over these five weeks of word power, my hope is that you'll continue reading the book of Exodus. And if you haven't started, it's not too late. It takes less than three hours to read the, the whole book. Um, 
to let that word dwell within you and teach you and guide you and learn about God's people on a journey into an unknown and uncertain place. I hope that you'll ponder your star word for the year and let that word dwell within you. My word this year is justice, and I'm curious to see what happens with that in my heart and my life over the course of the year. And I want to encourage you over the next week and beyond to be very intentional in thinking about the words that you use, that they might just be instruments of blessing and healing and reconciliation and hope and love. And then finally, during this season of word power, my hope is that we all can be thankful for the word becoming flesh to dwell among us, to share the good news of God's love with the whole world. Thanks be to God for the gift of words. Thanks be to God for the gift of the word. Amen.